0: Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here, CJ here, Jarman here, if you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders, it's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content, written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans, make sure you subscribe, get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox, go Hawks, go Hawks, go Hawks, here from Jarman
1: MP for the Insiders.
2: Hi everyone, Danny Friends here with the Hawks Insiders Trade Period Safe Space. It is the day four recap of an uneventful day, the, probably the first uneventful day of trade period so far this year. Um, we are here and we will talk you through it this evening. The majority of the A-team, the majority of the ones Are not here tonight. Uh, We have got the Box Hill crew, the Box Hill insiders, the B team, the resis, whatever you want to call it. It's the Tasmanian takeover. Um, I am joined by a couple of co-hosts that you may not recognize and one that you will. Firstly, Simon Morowitz. I hope your microphone is working. Are you there?
3: I am. Uh, Great to be here, Princey. Thanks very much. Um, I know that the Hawks insiders are tanking for picks. Is that what it is?
2: Yep, yeah, yeah, that's why we're playing the the, uh, the the number one and the number two uh, draft pick from last year um, <laughs> because we just got to get games into the kids at this stage of the season. So, uh, I'm also joined by uh, my two co-hosts. Uh, you heard us this time last year when all of the uh, insiders couldn't make it. Uh, Nat Martin. How are you, Nat? Good, mate. How are you? Uh,
4: Pleasure to be back on here once again for my... By yearly call off on the twos as someone that's just actually hung up the boots from very nice to be referred to as a kid again. So I'll take that in my story
5: at any time.
2: And we're also joined by AJ. AJ, how are you, mate?
5: I'm doing very well as someone who only ever was good enough to play badly in twos football. It's nice to be back in the twos.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You feel right at home tonight. Now, we are going to um, break down what happened or what didn't happen uh, in today's uh, trade period. Uh, But before we do, a couple of housekeeping notes. First and foremost, most importantly, if you want to get involved, we want you to get involved. There's not a lot of action happening today. So we've got some things that we're going to chat through. But if you want to get involved, you want to ask a question you want to know what the Hawks are doing or what they're not doing, um, please request to speak. We'll get you on uh, or drop it in the chat and we'll answer it as best we can. Um, yeah, we, we want as many questions, we want as much listener interaction as we can get this evening. Uh, and then second thing is I've been asked by the boss himself, Mr. Ashley Brown, to plug an upcoming article. He has, uh, I think it's going to drop over the weekend. He was working on it today, mora. You and I and a few other of the insiders were throwing out names as Ash compiles the best traded in 22 uh, for the Hawks, as well as the worst traded in 22. And those are, there's some interesting names in those groupings, Mara.
3: Well, I think we have the best traded in player of all time. Go on. I don't think anyone can match three premierships from 54 games that Brian Lake gave us.
2: I mean, and a Normie. That is that is pound for pound, some pretty good, uh, pretty good stats. What uh,
3: Lord, Lord knows, as Brad Klebanski will tell you, that uh, we can populate the other team pretty well in recent oh, years.
2: Brad could do it in, in, on his own, <laughs> but that's just because that's just because he's a broken man with uh, with no soul. Um, Nat. Nat, um, if you were put on the spot, um, and this is putting you on the spot because we didn't chat about this beforehand, but um, the best ever traded in Hawk, who is it?
4: Boy, oh, boy. Um, I mean, I think the best accolade that that an individual can have is to be a best and fairest in a premiership year, and Josh Gibson did that twice. So I think the dimension that he gave our back line is just extraordinarily underrated. Um, by the general football public, apart from Hawthorne supporters. Um, like an intercept tall, intercept sort of mid sized back, unbelievable spoiler, great one on one. I mean, with you look at the the teams that we had in 2013 and 15, when he would have won the two best of Ferris because Lewis would have won 14. Uh, just unbelievable that he could be regarded by the club as the best of them. So, I look, I being put on the spot, there's probably someone I've missed, but I, I think he probably stands out to me just for those two accolades.
2: AJ, before we get your thoughts on the best traded in Hawk, if you guys have a different opinion to Mora and Brian Lake, Nat and Josh Gibson and whoever AJ says, um, please chuck it in the chat. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the best ever traded in
5: Hawk. AJ, who you got? I'm going to give a controversial one because we haven't got a lot of older players. We're only looking at the last 10 years so far. So I'm going to go round nine, 1980, because back then you could play for another club and then get transferred. A bloke by the name of Russell Green joins Hawthorne, plays in three premierships, wins a league MVP, wins a Peter Crimmins, and is All-Australian in 1985, life member of our footy club and a state captain of Victoria. So just to throw a little bit of a left field one in there, I'm going with Russell Green. I can tell you
2: straight because I've seen the team. uh, Russell Green is in Ash's team and he plays a prominent starting role. So um, mine was, was Shawnee Burgoyne. And I've seen that dropped in the chat already as well. So um, I I just think, you know, in terms of maybe, maybe there, maybe there's a bit of recency bias there, but I think when he came, the expectations from me were so low because he came, with a leg wrapped up like a mummy and it just looked like this guy's not going to get out on the park. And for him to do what he did and play the amount of games he did and play as well as he did, um, it was just phenomenal. I think also um, Morris saying uh, Paul Salmon is a fair shout as well, making our team of the century, um, playing 100 games for the Hawks, um, cracking bloke to chat to as well. Anyway, I think that's a good exercise. Um, Nat, before we move on, did you have one more contribution to make?
4: I just want to say, I literally have forgotten Burgoyne when I was saying that. And he's probably, if he's not number one, he's 1A. Because he's probably played <laughs> the most important quarter in Hawthorne history, really. If you look at it, the, the 2013 preliminary final, that changed the direction of the history of the club irreversibly for the better. And if it wasn't for him, we don't win that premiership. Uh, we lose to Geelong. Geelong probably win the flag. And then God knows what happens after that. So, yes, no, it's... uh Probably a big oversight for me. You're uh, probably spot on with number nine.
2: Yeah, and, and speaking of uh, pretty important quarters, another traded-in player that had a pretty important quarter back in tw- 2008 was uh, it was the one and only um, the unlikely bulky hero, uh, Stewie Jew. So um,
5: see, I was gonna I was gonna say Stewie Jew, but I thought we might have ruled him out on the technicality that he was retired and then redrafted. <laughs>
2: That's true. He wasn't traded in, so he can't be considered. So, for Nav and...
5: Otherwise, uh, that's an excellent answer.
2: Yeah, Nav and uh, good pick up, that one. Um, there was a couple in there. Doc, they mentioned Stewie Jew. Ineligible, I'm ruling him out. I'm ruling him ineligible. Good shout, AJ. You, you, you got us there. So, that's a good one. They did need to be traded in, not just um, drafted. So... Anyway, good little exercise gets the brain going this time of night. And um, stay tuned. That is a serious plug for Ash's article. So if you guys that are on this space and everybody that listens to the recording, should Elon allow us to download it tomorrow, um, that is is about as good a plug as you're going to get for an article. So please read that article when it comes out over the weekend. So, um, gentlemen, day four trade wrap is... This, and I'm making a big fat circle with my uh, hands, no official trades. Um, And it was dead quiet. Like, you know, the previous few days, there was lots of rumours and, you know, you had the Lockie Schultz news breaking. There wasn't a lot happening at all today. Um, But we did get a little, a couple of snippets. Um, Late yesterday and and early today, there's some, some chat Um, that that Kel Toomey ended up breaking um, during Gettable, um, which was that Fremantle were coming hard again for Tyler Brockman. Now, we know Brockman's nominated West Coast. We know that he wants to go home, uh, and fair enough so to be with his wife and kids and their extended family. Nat, um, your take on the Fremantle persistence around giving Tyler Brockman another opportunity.
4: I mean, I think it's great from a Hawthorne perspective because it just gives us a lot more options, I think. I, I think it's pretty unlikely to happen. Like, I think when a player nominates a club, particularly in the last, I don't know, like 10 years or so, it's pretty unusual. I mean, the only one I can really think of is Joe Denneher to Sydney. Um, when he nominated Sydney, he didn't get there. That um, a player doesn't end up getting where they want to go. Um but look, the longer it goes on, the better it is for us because it also means that because um, Essendon are holding up and God bless D'Oro are holding up the Jade Gresham deal, that means St Kilda can't get Liam Henry. And the longer that goes on, the less the more likely we are potentially to put ourselves back into the game because if it gets to a point where you know we're getting to two, three hours to go on deadline day and there's still no... Discernible trade from either party in terms of Gresham, Rockman, Henry, and this is what happens with these trades. They need one to go down, and then all the dominoes fall. You never know; an improved offer might look quite attractive to someone like a Liam Henry, because there's not that really much difference between living in Moravian and living in Mulgrave. I wouldn't have thought so. Um, yeah, I think it, look, I think it's unlikely to happen, but I think the fact that uh, Fremantle are going hard for a Schultz replacement in a small forward. Is a good thing for us um, because it can give us a lot more options.
5: And we know um, when clubs aren't doing deals, players do get hot under the collar a bit. We saw a couple of years ago when Dylan Shield trade wasn't going through. Carlton made an 11th hour pitch at him and nearly got him in the end, and Essendon just got the deal done. But he from a lot of reports, was almost ready to switch his trade allegiance to Carlton so that he could just get something done. So, you have that potential if it does, as you said, not get there in the last couple of minutes and there's still or the last hour or so and nothing's happening. That maybe something does happen out of left field. Yeah, I think
2: probably I've got two thoughts here on on this one. Um, firstly, it does it really doesn't help us that Tyler Brockman is a out of contract and B. West Coast hold the first pick in the preseason draft. Um, that that's tough because it removes the vast majority of our bargaining power. You know, we obviously want to honour the request to go home, and I can respect that from Brockman. Be nice if he gave the option of both clubs. I'm I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan. Um, Damon Lillard requested a trade. For those who um, don't don't follow that sport. And he, off, he put up one team, a little bit like Brockman. And in the NBA, money's bigger, collective bargaining agreements, um, more geared towards you know players making sure they get paid. And um, the player empowerment's not as high in terms of you can be traded anywhere you want. In the end, David Lillard was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, nowhere near Miami and nowhere near <laughs> the team, but still a very good team. The problem with um, – and the, the correlation here, the problem the Hawks have is they don't have the ability to trade a player against this will. So, Mara, what do you think is the purpose then of Fremantle pushing this? Do you think they still legitimately feel they're a shot? Is this a, is this a Hawks asking them to do this to give them a little bit more bargaining power back? What do you think it is?
3: Yeah, I think there's an element of, of that. I think in the same breath we're talking about um, Hawthorne, you know, maintaining its interest in Henry. Um, and I think that both both um, clubs are kind of being used a little bit by managers just to keep cl- uh, the, the intended club um, on, the, on their toes. So, you know, West Coast now knows that Fremantle is offering a four-year deal, which is pretty good for, considering uh, Brockman's only played in two seasons. Like he played in 21 and 23, and and Fremantle's now offering him.
2: Yeah, a he, four would, year deal. he would. He wouldn't have got a four year deal at the Hawks if he wanted to stay. I reckon he would have got a two two year deal tops. But he hasn't proven enough to get a four year deal. So that
6: well, uh, what I, what I'm
2: saying now is that is that that West Coast now knows that a four year
3: deals on the table. They got to get serious because if they're only, the, you know, they say, oh well, we'll walk you to the draft and we'll pick you up. He's going to say, well, what are you offering? They say two years. He says, stuff that'll go to Freo. So. It it just it just um, I I think there's a bit of manager talk or manager um, you know I, I guess leaking in, in this because in, in the same way that that um, you know in the same article Hawthorne is slated to still be interested in Henry and that's a bit of a hurry up to St Kilda I think that in this case Fremantle's is being used in kind of the same way so I'm I'm reasonably confident he'll still get to. West Coast, but it does just put a little bit of pressure on them. Say, hey, you've actually got to do something, something serious here, because Fremantle, uh, unless that that fact is just being made up, if Fremantle is legitimately offering a four year deal, then that's gonna um, that's gonna be very attractive to a fringe player, regardless
5: of whether it's his intended
3: or, or preferred destination.
5: The one thing that we do have working for us from a club perspective is that the list manager at West Coast, and I do apologise, I forgot his name, um, when he did the walking in the doors chat with to me on day one of the trade period, said, you know, there is the ability to walk Brockman to the draft, but we don't want to do that because you know, football in karma is a very real thing. You don't know when it's the next time that someone in West Coast wants to get traded to Hawthorne and on says, not nah, we're not going to deal with it. We're going to walk into the draft as, a, as an up yours, basically, for how you have at the Brockman situation. So respect to West Coast on that. They've made it very clear that it's an option there, but they're going to go out of their way to not do that. And I think that works out really well for us. And also it brings a little bit of respect to West Coast that they, you know, realistically, because of how their last couple of seasons are going, they probably need a little bit of that right now.
3: And they, should, they shouldn't have to. It should be a reasonably straightforward one. If they they, they want him and we're ha- not going to stand in his way, then it should theoretically be a reasonably simple one. So I don't really know why it's got complicated. Fremantle's um, continued interest is a factor. But other things equal, I don't. it should be a quick one. But like you said, um, Prinzi, trade week, it's... You know, However long it is, deals only get done in the first two days and the last two days.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you you bang on, Nat. Before you jump in, um, I I think probably one of the things holding this thing up is all of a sudden Mark McKenzie's decided he's uh, channeling in his inner Adrian Dodoro and he's asking for top twenty five picks for players that hardly play and are out of contract. So I have a feel, I have a feeling that you know the Hawks are, and rightly so, to be honest driving harder bargains than we're probably used to seeing them do at the trade table. And and that's just because we're in asset accumula- accumulation mode at the moment where we need to get the best bang for our buck at the trade table so we can take it to the draft and, and, and bring in as much talent as we can before I get you on that.
4: My uh, thought on this too is that we might be waiting to see, as you've already sort of alluded to, what we have, what we can uh, sorry, get Fickers' It Skin. Also, what we have to give up for D'Ambrosio as well before we do the Brockman trade. Because so I think we'd like to sort of know what we've got in terms of a draft asset, um, in terms of what we've given up and had to take back before we can deal with Brockman. I think we can do that with a little bit more certainty. So I I think D'Ambrosio will get done this week. I, I think it'll get done um, relatively uh, pain free, if you, if you um, for the want of a better phrase. But is I anything do pain free with Esselink. No, well, no, true. And no, Adrian Desouza, but for, yeah, first round pick for Brandon Zurch, actually, You reckon, Jesus? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, goodness me. Um, but I do think the Kaczynski and the Brockman deals will go into next week. So I, I think it's another one of these cases that there's a few dominoes to fall to see where we are in terms of our draft asset before we're dealing Brockman. That's that's my just gut feel at the moment.
2: Because you're right. It shouldn't, reckon- it, shouldn't, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be that complicated. No, and and it shouldn't. I reckon the my take is completely different from yours on D'Ambrosio and Nap. I reckon that's one of the last deals done during trade period, and I reckon it, like it could be done right now. It's future fourth, right? Like that's what gets it done. It's a pick that hardly anybody's going to use because this guy is sitting on a rookie list, and we've offered him a two year contract where they want to offer him a one year to stay on the rookie list. So, um, but the bombers play hardball with everything, and that's just that's that's what they do, and. That's what part, one of many reasons why we hate them so much.
5: Anyway, there is a part though. of me that's going to miss having Adrian Dodoro around football, though, because it's, if nothing else, it's entertaining. Is it, though? I think it's it is. The,
2: it's the same thing every year. It's not entertaining.
5: It's the same shtick.
2: Like, if he had some new material, sure, but it's the same thing.
5: A co-worker of mine said to me today, he's, he's literally a guy on Twitter. In that it's such an overvalue of your own player and an undervalue of the opposition. It's a guy making up rumours on big footy come to life in a weird way.
4: I did enjoy the other day how he was quoted on Trade Radio. So let's keep in mind that he's not under contract with D'Ambrosio, that um, they have every intention of keeping him if uh, we can't do a fair deal. Uh, D'Ambrosio does not obligated to stay at the Essendon Football Club because he does not have a contract. He can go, I'm going to go for the pre-season draft and he can piss right off. So I don't know what planet old uh, Dodoro is living on. Um, It would have been a good question to uh, have known that for the last two decades. But yeah, I found that quite amusing the other day.
2: Before we move on to the next one, we've got uh, Mick joining us. Mick, thank you as always um, for your input and your uh, opinion. Uh, Jump in and shoot away. No
0: worries, guys. The thing that Hasn't been mentioned is the points we need for McCabe. As far as I work it out, our current picks after the first one almost cover what you know what we need to cover for him. So we've got nothing to spare out after that. Um,
2: no, and that that's a really good point. And I think that's why they're driving hard bargains hmm. with both Brockman and Cosie, because they they obviously um, they want a little bit like they had last year. They want that flexibility in on the first night of the draft. If somebody drops, they want to be able to go and get them. Uh, They got Josh Weddle last year and we all know how that turned out. That was a fantastic deal. Uh, Even though it was like on the night we're looking at it going, is that overs? That's massive overs. Um, That kid looks special and he looks like he's going to be a really important part of the future. The Hawks will want to go in and Mark McKenzie will want to go in with um, enough assets to be able to try to maybe not at the same level, but pull something off um, on draft night, either draft night one or two. So I think that that's a really good point that needs to be considered, Mick.
0: Yeah. And the other thing too, uh, put in the um, comments, Colin Young manages both Hendering and Brockman, I think. Yes. And yes. he's like Connors. He's the you know the WA equivalent of Connors. His players get to where they want to go. So yeah, unless he's a big hitter, yeah, and he and he won't piss off Fremantle, and he won't do the same to the Eagles. Um, And I don't know that four years actually makes a difference over there per se um, because, you know, they they could get cut anyway. They could pay him out. It won't be on huge money. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, I just think we need some points capital, so to speak. The
4: The only Colin Young... Client, I believe that actually didn't get to his trade destination was Bobby Hill to Essendon two trade periods ago, and Bobby Hill should be sending him vats of penfolds every single year for being able to get the callings. So, oh no, oh no, how that's turned out for him.
5: The only player in AFL history to win more Norm Smith medals than his old Brownlow votes. Wow, he has not got a single Brownlow vote in his career, but he does have a Norm Smith.
2: Actually, a legitimately very good stat, AJ. I'm glad we got you on tonight, just for that. Um, who would have thought, Who would have thought? So, what you're telling me, what all I heard there when you said that, to be honest, was now Sam Frost needs to win three Norm Smith medals. Um, so you know, you know, give and take. Now, I think there's a good segue um, from what we were talking about in terms of points for um, McCabe and what that looks like. Uh, a little bit of Asset accumulation, a little bit of flexibility um, in the in, uh, on the draft, and um, before we jump into trading for pick one, there, there was a bit of speculation around that the D's are looking to package the picks that they picked up yesterday and look to move up again in the draft, um, a little bit like they tried to, I believe, for Bailey Humphrey last year, who in the end, Gold Coast uh, didn't uh, didn't didn't bite and um, and in the end, they had to sit where they were. But they currently sit with pick six and eleven. I want to ask you guys, uh, starting with you, Mora. Um, six and eleven for four. Would you do it if you were Mark McKenzie?
3: Um, if, if, is this assuming we don't we can't get one?
2: This is assuming we can't get one.
3: Then yes.
2: Okay, and
3: because <laughs> yeah, we're, when you, because we're we're we talking
2: space. Do you want to
3: go elaborate a little <laughs> bit on that? <laughs> we want to throw as many um, darts at the board as possible, and um, I mean, unless you think that there is a player we get at four that is so much better than the player we get at six, um, then then do it absolutely. Two top eleven picks, I think. Um, as has been mentioned, I think a pick after our first one at the moment is not till 32. 30. Yep. So uh, I think it's fair to say that the the difference between picks four and six is probably not that great. We're getting a very good player at six. The difference between picks 11 and 32 is astronomical. So if we can get two extremely high-quality players in, um, assuming, again, that we don't get pick one, I would I would do that, yep.
2: Yeah, all right. And Nat, AJ, any of you guys got a different opinion or do you want to expand again? Go, Nat, you jump in.
4: Uh, I believe it really will all depend on, and we've talked about this privately, whether we think McCurch is going to be available at four because I believe he's the one that we're going to take um, if he's there. Now, it all depends on the Intel that they're going to get, and the vibes, the vibes that they're going to get from North, whether North want to now take McKircher and Dersma with two and three, or, because I believe Walter will probably go two, because I reckon Walter will get bid on, and then well, McKircher and Dersma will probably get three and four, after Reed goes at one, you'd think. Um, whether we believe that McKircher is still going to be available or not, and that depends on how much we like Nick Watson, um, because if we believe is not going to be available there, then I'm pretty open to getting two picks in the top 12 um, as opposed to four and 35. But I I am not certainly not against the idea. I believe it just depends on how keen we are to take
2: McKircher or not, whether believe he's going to be available. AJ, anything to contribute or much of the same? I
5: would love to be able to go to Melbourne and say, hey, we love your idea for a, drill, for a deal. Let's talk draft night. Yeah, and and, I think that's where it obviously happens. with the yeah. with the ability to open trade on picks on draft night, you can go in as Nat said if is available for I I'm a big McKercha fan as well. So if of he's available for you, he is Tasmanian, which yeah. helps. Um but if he's available for you, take him at four. If he's not yeah, um, Mark markets on the phone in Melbourne and says, All right, let's make a deal. Let's trade he the six and eleven. He-
3: do you mention that he's Tasmanian because that means we might lose him in a couple of years when Taz comes in? We had this nah, argument we in had our group full, chat once.
2: We had a full debate about this. And Mick, I will get to you in a second. But AJ, go on and tell me why you think that that's not even a factor.
5: So I, being Nat and I are both Tasmanian, we disagree on this strongly. I don't think the go-home factor to go to Tasmania when year 21, 22 is actually going to be as strong as, say, someone living on the Gold Coast who wants to go back to Melbourne because there's not a lot to do in Hobart, if I'm perfectly honest. I did used to live there. Love it. Not a lot to do. And that's giving me filthies over that. Um, just quickly back on my point with trading on draft night is looking at Cal draft rankings, I think he had McCabe sitting at 16 the last time I checked. So if you do do that trade, you realistically, if someone bids on um, McCabe, and that's also, we need to remember that we haven't formally nominated him yet. And he hasn't formally nominated his a Father's Son. It's a foregone conclusion, but it hasn't actually happened yet. So we just need to keep an eye on that. If that happens and we trade on draft night, then you're getting 6-11 and a player ranked at 16. So you're essentially getting three first round picks out of that. And if you're looking at topping up with, Top end talent. That puts you in a really good position.
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, Mick, jump in uh, and give your. Pick. Yeah, I was just going
0: to say, there's been a bit of speculation about 11 through the whole week. You know, so on as other guys have said, that might become a flexible option on the draft night in terms of trading back, even and picking up say an early second round or two early second round picks, uh, and give you more draft capital.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think um, the, the way I look at it, and look, I've, I've heard that the Hawks are very keen on the I don't think he'll be available when we come to pick. So, um, you know, I think you're looking at probably, possibly possibly Dersma, probably Watson or Curtin are the two options that are there. And if you read what's going on at the moment, what's happening at the moment, it looks like Curtin might slide a little bit. So my thought is, if you get to four, Curtin's still on the table. Apparently, the dogs are really keen on Nick Watson. Um, You make the trade for six and 11. And then if Curtin is still on the board when you've got six, maybe you can turn around to West Coast, hold them over the barrel a little bit and say, how about that future first? What does that look like? And if you can get possession of West Coast's future first-round pick, you probably hold on to the number one pick in next year's draft. So not that you would necess- they would necessarily pull the trigger on that, but we know that they've got a list strategy similar to Fremantle's of previous years where um, they want to bring in the best WA talent. So they would be tempted. Um, they would definitely have a conversation around it. Now, it obviously... Shortened shortens our draft hand in this year, but the option is there to get a deal done potentially with West Coast and, and make them pay overs for something they might they might want.
3: Prinzi, uh, you got your finger on this pulse. Who's likely to be number one next year? What sort of player are they? And, and are they someone that is more appealing to West Coast than Curtin? Or perhaps... West Coast you're would gonna, say, even if it is pick one, we'd rather really
2: Yeah, you're going to love this. So next year's a midfield stacked top end of the draft. Um, the vast majority are sort of medium sized midfielders. One of the best prospects of next year's draft is Levi Ashcroft, uh, who's another Brisbane father son, uh, brother of Will. Uh, and if anybody watched the uh, any of the Nab League or the Coates Talent League this year. He is not only a uh, midfield option, he also goes forward and kicks goals in the handfuls. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think the vast... I don't think there's going to be a key position there. From what I know of next year's draft crop, I don't think a WA talent is going to be in the top sort of three or four. Their majority, um, Vic um based players at this stage so that lure of um a wa talent might be enough to get them to part with a pretty pretty decent pick
3: then the question becomes we need another young talented midfielder or perhaps we actually need that key position stock
2: yeah and i guess it's what it's what's available and how much of a risk you take um with Curtin if there is a go-home factor there and that
4: Do you reckon, which would probably shake up the draft order a fair bit in terms of Curtin potentially falling to us and us being able to do that deal with West Coast, do you reckon that um, Melbourne might try, say they got four off us for 6-11, and really throw a big package at West Coast to try and get one?
2: Or do you think they just want four for the player? Uh, Well, I think they want four for the versatility of what they could do. Um, so I think they could try and do both. I, I don't think, even if Melbourne got four from us for six and 11, I don't think they have a package as good as our package right now of four and a future first. Because if we, you know, if you look at like North, are probably the only team that can pip our, our current package. And I just can't see North putting two and three on the table for one. I mean, you don't sacrifice two of the top four players in the draft for one, of the, for the for the one top player in the draft, as as generational as Harley Reid is, and this is a good segue into the next one, as generational as Harley Reid is, one player in a in a squad full of forty doesn't make you a premiership team. We're not talking about basketball where one um, generational player puts you in contention. We are talking about footy where you've got a on game day you've got a squad of twenty three players. Um, so one player is important, but I think it's far more important to have um, you know a top. I'd say ten, and then a really good solid core underneath them. So that that's what I'd see. I think the Hawks, um, you know, North clearly have the best hand. I don't think they'll put two and three on the table. After that, if the Hawks are putting four and a future first, that's likely to be a top three or four pick again next year. That's a pretty good deal too. So that's uh, actually overs. I wouldn't offer that. But as we transition into the Hawks uh, pitch at. West Coast, I just want to get AJ's thoughts on Harley Reed the player, because you've been covering him for a number of years, uh, AJ, over in his neck of the woods.
5: Yeah, so I'm based up in Echuca and now Daniloquin, so I I first wrote about Harley Reed when he kicked 100 goals as a 14-year-old midfielder um, playing under-14s football for Tongala and I've been covering him ever since. The kid is generational talent, we've all heard that, but The thing that stands out to me is his commitment to his club. And I I really wanted to bring this up because when he was on Pioneer's duty this year, he was still showing up to Tongala games and carrying the drinks for the seniors and doing drills with the players. He was going to trainings and helping out with the junior players. When they got eliminated in the seniors, he was still coming to the reserve grade and the undergrade finals because he wanted to be around the club. Like you speak to anyone who's had anything to do with him around Tongala, it's such a commitment to where he is and understanding how important it is to be a club person. And I've heard a lot of things said about Harley's talent and I've sometimes heard some things said about his attitude, which I'm not personally sold on. I don't think they're 100% correct. But that's a side of it that I don't think anyone's... We've heard a lot of because people haven't been on the ground covering him in that period of time. But the commitment he has to where he is and to the people that are making him what he is, is really important. He'll be the person that'll bleed for you if you're in that position. And he's done that for the pioneers. He's clearly done it for Tongala. So I think you're getting someone who, if you draft him, and this is the other thing with the West Coast theory about people saying, oh, he doesn't want to play for West Coast. I don't believe that. And I'm glad he's come out and said that's not true. Because I think wherever he ends up, he is going to be so all in and putting everything he has on the line for that footy club. And I think that's something we've seen in the last couple of years with Hawthorne people. It's why for a, for the last few years we've really gone after Hawthorne supporters in a way because we wanted to put people that we knew were going to be really committed to the Hawthorne footy club. I think if you get Harley, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get someone who's going to be that heavily committed to it as well. So I, I cannot speak highly enough of the young man. I'm such a big fan of his football. I'm a big fan of him personally and you know, I re—I really want him to end up at Hawthorne. And that's probably have to be a little bit honest. i love to see them swing things just to know that he was going to end up at our footy club because I really, really do want him there.
2: Well, also, if he's a good bloke, you don't want him toiling away at a VFL-level side for the next four years while they rebuild not even from the ground up, from you know, halfway under the ground up, because that 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 is one of the worst AFL sides I've ever seen in West this year. They were atrocious. So um, the poor bloke if you get stuck having to play for the Eagles uh, on the other side of the country. Um, we will touch on your troll for a minute before we move into a few different bits and pieces. Uh, there was a report from Ralphie and Chris, Ralphie John Ralph and Chris Kavanagh in uh, Herald Sun Sport that the Hawks will revoke or withdraw their offer for Mavi or Choll after Gold Coast rejected their offer, which was a future third-round pick for Choll and a later pick in return. So this is what I'm talking about, about the Hawks playing hardball at the trade table this year. Mora. Mora, um, is, that, is that ballsy or is that stupid by the Hawks?
3: No, I think it's sensible. Um, we're we're not going to fall over our feet trying to get a bloke who got you know di- uh, you know shown the door by a different club two years ago. This would be his third club in 24 months. Um, he can't get a game for Gold Coast at the moment. We're not like like we like him. He, he wants to come to us. That's great. But we're not going to um, fall over ourselves to make sure. That everything happens. So if we make an offer we think it's half decent um, they're allowed to reject it and then we're allowed to say, all right, well fine, that was as good as we're going to give you. So I, I-, I certainly wouldn't be um, you know, if our first offer is rejected, I certainly wouldn't turn around and go all right, well fine then, have pick 30.
0: This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com Visit to download your spaces today.
3: Um, <laughs> that's That's poor negotiation. So it might all just be part of the game. Um, but if it ends up that we don't get him, that's fine. That that we we don't want to we don't want to break the bank um, for a for Mabio basically. The
4: only thing that we've done a little bit is shoot ourselves in the foot a bit by publicly making it known that we want 25 for Kositsky, who so we only offered a one year deal. Um, and we've offered Char what, four with the trigger for a fifth and we only want to give up a third rounder. So I can kind of see where Gold Coast are coming from to a degree. Yes, do I think that child is probably only worth what we've offered? Yeah, I do. I actually think that's a pretty fair trade. But, like, 25 for Kaczynski, who have only offered a one-year deal, I can kind of see why Gold Coast, particularly in the first week of the trade period, come back to us and went, eh, hang on, boys, you know, like, this doesn't quite add up. So, yeah, um, look, I think it'll probably get done, but it might take a while, unfortunately.
5: And that goes both ways, too, is that um... – Gold Coast, we want to play hardball, and they're saying, well, you can't consider where you rate him and where you rate Kaczynski and things like that. But Gold Coast are also trying to play hardball with a player that they don't want. Like, it's as simple as that. This isn't just, uh, oh, we're really, really keen to keep Marvia but we're letting him explore his options. No, you don't want him. Damien Hardwick's now basically sacked this guy twice by the yeah, way yeah. it's playing out. That's right. So you can't, that's, but that's a re- reality of what it is. He's been moved on by Hardwick twice now um you can that that then, makes come, a good oh sorry you can't then come back and say well we think he's worth this it's like well if you thought he was worth that you wouldn't be getting rid of him
3: yeah i mean that what you said makes sense it all it is it is all very logical um but at the end of the day aj's right they 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 are the ones offloading him so they're allowed to call our bluff a little bit and if we don't uh respond to that then we'll probably get it done for at least close to our initial offer
2: Mick, I'm going to invite you in before you start speaking, though I feel like I know exactly what you're going to say because I feel like we've had this Twitter conversation uh, in the past couple of days. So um, please enlighten us with your wisdom, sir.
0: That's right. Well, yeah, I think Gold Coast are showing their hand. Like they took, they let Burgess go for a third round pick. As far as I can see, Chole and Burgess are comparable. Chole um, was fattened at the end of the year by getting a couple of games because they don't want him because he have got um, two academy blokes coming in. They've got to get the spaces for them. Um, and so they've sort of played their hand to say, well, we'll, we'll accept a third round pick for Burgess. Well, Choll's a third round pick as well. Um, and the comparison with Kaczynski, he's played 48 games at 23 years of age. Chole hadn't played 48 games at 23. So in terms of his player development, he's advanced on where Choll was at the same point in time. Um, Now, whether I don't think Richmond will will come at that, but he's got greater potential than Choll in, in the next three years. Um, Yeah. I just think, you know, Gold Coast equally. I take Morris point. If they want to play hardball, they get left with him for a two year contract. What are they going to do with him then? You know, play in the VFL for two years, definitely with um, Walters and who's the ruckman they're getting. Um, uh, Ethan Reed. Ethan Reed. You, know, you stirred in the time trial over two k. Yeah, yeah, that was incredibly yeah. impressive. Actually, that's uh,
2: not two hundred and four centimeter guys don't generally do that at the draft combine. But um, no, I, I think Mick, you, you make a really really good point. I mean, they're clearing the decks for Jed Walter, and that kid is as ready to play as key forwards go coming out of the draft. Like, I would not be surprised if he played, you know, ten games next year. Uh, as a key forward because he's far more ready than, say, Aaron Cadman was coming out of his draft year last year. So they're clearing the decks, um, you know, to allow him to play. So there we talk about, like, um, ability to get some leverage with Tyler Brockman or inability to get some leverage with Tyler Brockman. Gold Coast has sort of got a little bit of lack of leverage here with the Choll situation purely because um, everybody knows what they want to do. Um, AJ, did you want to jump in and
5: contribute here too? Well, what I was going to say is, um, and the clear thing is, we want him at Hawthorne. Uh, when it was first announced, I kind of went, I'll be a Choll, what are we doing there? And you two actually brought me around on it pretty quickly and explained why it was a good move and completely convinced me. So Hawthorne wants him... It's going to get done, as Nat said, and it'll be one of those really dumb trades in the end where we'll say, we want another pick back late, so it'll be like, we'll give up our future fourth for Gold Coast future fourth and our future third for, for Marvia Chola and we'll get packaged up in one of those stupid deals that happens all the time where you look at the later round pick exchanges and say, what do you even bother doing that for?
2: Yeah, 100%. And I think the same thing sort of happens, maybe not to that same level of stupidity, but because I, I really see what you're saying, AJ, is what's going to happen. Um, But I think looking at the Cozzie thing, the Hawks might push really, really hard for that Richmond pick 27, but they might have to give up a a third round pick in order to get it or something like that. So uh, it won't be that they're getting that 27. It's that really they're sliding, you know, the Tigers are sliding back in the draft to get Jacob Kaczynski. And I think that would be fairly reflective, although I take Mick's point and I've been a bit of a cosy defender until probably the last six or seven games of the year. Um, you know, I, I just think at, and we would have liked to have seen a few more signs from him. But at the same time, you know, we know that young tools can just explode when they hit 24, 25 years of age. So um, he has that sort of untapped upside potentially that or Ochoa just does not have.
0: Could Kozie end up being a Ryan O'Keefe, Papley type situation? You know, they don't. He doesn't get there, and he comes back.
2: I mean, possibly. I don't think, it, especially if Chol doesn't happen. I don't think the Hawks are just gonna, you know, um, let him go for nothing. Yeah. I think the Hawks will go. Well, you know, we've got a contract offer here on the table for you, Cozzy. Um We can't really afford to go and not fill that position in with somebody who's ready made to play because this team's young enough as it is. It's inexperienced enough as it is. If we have a nut like the only other second tall forward that we have in our in our squad is Brandon Ryan, who's a twenty-five year old rookie who this time last year was playing for the Northern Bull Ants. Um is or at the start of the year was playing for the Northern balance This time last year, I think he was just finishing up with like West Preston or something like that, West Maribyrnong or something um, ridiculous. So you know he is no guarantee to make it. I, I've liked a little bit of what I've seen from Brandon Ryan, but you wouldn't want to go into into season twenty twenty four with just Ryan um, supporting a often injured Mitch Lewis. The thing with Charles is that he gives us a little bit more
4: flexibility, I think, with the way that we structure up um, in terms that he can play that second Ruckman and give Reeves a chop out. And I think that's incredibly important. One thing that watching us this year that frustrated me knowing was just the two Ruckman experiment. It just yeah. wasn't working. Yeah, yeah, mate, it was driving me, driving me insane. And like, I actually kind of like Meek to start with, but I think Reeves, uh, in terms of his um, ability to get around the ground... Um, but Reeves' tap work, particularly in some of our later wins at like the Collingwood game, stands out quite strongly. Um, cemented himself as the number one, but we do need an option in there to give him a chop out. So if we can fill that second tall forward alongside Lewis and also get a second Ruckman out of it to you know pinch hit for that five minutes, I think that's why we've offered him such a lucrative deal.
2: Oh, 100%. It's um, it's the fact that Max Ramsden's still a year or two away from being able to play that role, that we're chasing somebody at age 27, 28, like Mabio Chole Chol is. Um, so I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think from a pure balance, team balance perspective, Chol fits the Hawks far better than Cozzy does. Um, you know, he's a, he's a right here, right now solution. He's not a world beater by any means, but he will be an effective plug and play next year. Um, from a Hawthorne forward line perspective. Whitey has joined us. Whitey, we always appreciate you when you jump on and speak, mate. Give us your thoughts. Just
6: a question. I, I was just thinking of looking at the draft, we're talking about the speculation of who's going to pick who and all that, which is always a thing. But do you think Clarkson could do something similar to what he did when he picked Buddy and Jared Rufford would threw the whole thing out of whack?
2: I mean... He has so much sway at every club that he's at, whether it was at the Hawks back in the day or whether it's at North Melbourne now. You never know. I just don't think there's the calibre of key forwards um, in this draft crop to be able to do that this year, if I'm honest. Yeah, but maybe not even a key
6: forward. Maybe there's someone that he likes who no one or in that top five where we think it's going to go bang, bang. Say the kid from Western Australia where everyone thinks he may stay in West Australia. Clarkson may jump in here early. Do you think there's that type of thing that could happen which could throw the whole thing out of whack?
2: Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, nothing's set in stone at this time of the year, is it? So, you know, you hear things from... The leaks that you hear are the leaks that people want you to hear. I think that's really important to have as context, is that if information's getting out, um, unless unless it's coming directly from you know somebody deep inside the doldrums of club land the information that gets out is the information they want to get out so and there's often a a reason or a or you know a factor as to why that information is pushed out as well so it it, you know fits somebody's narrative so um don't yeah by all means like you know it's not a foregone conclusion that um it's probably a foregone conclusion that harley reid goes at one i would be shocked if he didn't um but it's it's not it's absolutely not set in stone that McKircher and Dersmer go to north with
6: what will end up probably being three and four. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just one of those things that um, you just think that he's done it before when he's rebuilding. I'm wondering if he'll do something again.
3: I understand where you're coming from, Whitey. The difference, I think, in this situation is that there's no picks between his two picks. So what happened with the Roughhead and Buddy situation yeah. was that everyone kind of assumed that we would take Buddy with two, yeah. um, because and, and we kind of thought that as well. But we we got wind that Buddy was then going to be available at five, so we took Roughhead at two, which was the bit of the curveball, and then we did get Buddy yeah. at five. Yeah. But if we, didn't, if we didn't get wind of that, we would have taken Buddy at yep. two. Um, the difference here is that they've got two picks in a row, so they're not really playing ducks and drakes with anyone. They're just going to take the two players that they yeah.
6: want. Is there any chance that he could trade one of the big ones out to try to pick up two more higher drafts?
3: Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean they did that last year. That's the reason I, I don't think that they're going to go for pick one. It would be the exact opposite of what they did last year, where they had pick one and they preferred picks two and three and they nailed yep. them. So uh, I'd be I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they could get two top twelve or fifteen picks for pick three. Yeah, yeah. Then it wouldn't surprise me if they split it. I at mean, all.
2: don't they have like a bunch of team picks already anyway? Like the AFL's given them every third. <laughs> they, <are>. they, <laughs> so, they have they have five first round picks. They have yeah, five, five picks inside seventeen. Picks, so I don't think they do that. I think two or three in this draft are just too probably too valuable. Yeah. Um, to then trade them out when you've already got, you know, uh, uh, three other picks in the team. So, um, it I can't see... It. Yeah, I, the only thing I think I can see is they might try and use those picks to trade up again to be able to get one more pick in the top 10. And they'll, they will have their eyes absolutely set on Riley Sanders, another Tasmanian boy, um, a boy that's in their Next Generation Academy, um played for Sandringham Dragons and won the Premiership um, boarding over there. And, um, you know, they're not going to get him through the Next Gen Academy, but they rate him very highly. So um, he's probably that seventh best player in the draft. So if they could get up a pick around um, seven, um, I think that they would want to, you know, package up their team picks and, and, and try to get three top top ten picks.
6: Would, 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 would we maybe do what... Well, I was just saying, maybe give up our fourth and try to get two higher picks. Two, not higher picks. If we were
2: doing it, if we were doing it, yeah, I know what you're saying. If we were doing it for North's picks, you'd want all three of them Uh, before you even considered it. Because, you know, if you're doing it for Melbourne's picks, you're doing it for six and 11, you're only dropping back two spots. You get picked up, you get pick 11 as a bonus for that. North's picks are more in the teens, so you're losing that real high-end talent. Uh, crack yes. so I think you'd you'd want a bit
6: more um out of and that. who's the best who's but, um, the best forward in the draft?
2: Uh like key forward yeah. in the open draft yeah. probably Nate Caddy he's not really a bulking key forward. he's about one ninety two, one ninety three um but he plays bigger than what he yep. is. Um but there's no like I would say there's no gun Key forward that's not tied to the Gold Coast, <laughs> so um, that's that's the the hardest part. Is the draft is so compromised yeah. this year um, that you know
5: when you've got you know the best key tool tied to an expansion team, it just makes it really really yeah, tricky. Yeah. Just to confirm on that indicative draft order, the three North Melbourne picks outside of their top two are 15, 17 and eighteen. So they're they the first Back round picks, yeah, but they're basement first round yep. picks.
6: Yeah. Yep. Thanks, boys
2: beauty, Dave. Thank you. Stalking just on, uh, on, on our regulars. Uh, thank you for jumping on. Oh, sorry, Mick, Vincent. before we get to you, Stalking, go Mick.
0: Um, just on why do you think? Clarko, when he had his sabbatical, he flew to WA to watch Curtin play. I've got a suspicion that he likes Curtin. And you look at their That's list already, their midfield is quite you know, strong. with um, LUD, Simpkin, um, the two they picked up last year, Cecil and um, Wardlaw. Wardlaw. Yeah, so they've got enough depth there, and their back half is is weak. You yeah, so I I, yeah. I would be surprised. I'd be more surprised they didn't pick him than they did.
2: Uh, to be yeah, interesting, interesting theory. I
1: like it. Stalking, welcome. Yeah, thanks guys. Um, I've got a pretty out there one. Um, not sure there's probably a um an answer to it that I just I've missed for some reason. But with uncontracted players like Cosie and Tyler Brockman, um, I've been thinking about. Um, you yeah, know, the salary dump, right? Um, now, they don't have a salary to dump, but what if they did? Like, would there be an option of getting together with Richmond and Cosy and his manager and saying, hey, Cosie, here's a two-year deal from the Hawks at 300K a year, sign that, and then two seconds later, sign with Richmond, and we're paying his salary at Richmond in return for whatever, as a way of, you know, manufacturing um, uh, incentives for clubs to either give us picks or or whatnot. What are your thoughts on that? Is that an actual possibility? Sign, yeah, and, trades, sign and trade.
4: Yes. Very sign good. and trades
5: aren't really an Australian thing, obviously, but um, we're all. I think we're all basketball fans on this podcast as well. It's a very big thing, particularly mm-hmm. in the NBA, to sign and trade players, and that's not around dumping salary to get better draft picks, that's more about... uh, Well, draft picks player handed that, but that's more about because there's different rules under an NBA salary cap, things like the Bird Rule, that allows you to give more of your salary cap to certain players. So it's to get the maximum contract to a player. So it's one of those things where... I don't reckon we're that far off that being a possibility because it seems like things that are happening in the USA happen to us eventually.
2: Yeah, I, I would just my concern there stalking would be i reckon there'd be something in the afl's you know cba or whatever they call it where you know there'd be a period after you sign a contract that you can't be traded so it would probably prevent something like that because i just can't see there's enough good minds in AF- in the afl sort of player manager and list manager space that if it was possible to be done somebody would have done it by now so there'd be something that's stopping it from happening um, but it's a really good out there thought. and I, I mean, you know, like AJ said, uh, it happens so much in, in, in American sport. It happens uh, as a real trade vessel or a way to create an asset uh, in the NBA um, that, you know, it'll happen here at some stage, 100%. Yeah. I mean, you look at what Essendon and St Kilda are trying
4: to do with the for <clears throat> progression and then sending that back the other way and whether that's legal. And oh, I just think it's a good use of the system. So. Yeah, like like the other two uh, have previously said, I do think it's something that will happen here eventually. But if it
2: uh, actually was possible, it probably would have happened by now.
1: Yeah, and see, that's the interesting thing, right? Like, if if there is some magic cutoff where the AFL can say no or reject a trade or or whatnot, you know, where is where is the line? Like, do you have to do you have to have signed that contract a month before the trade period? Two months, three months, four months, six months. Like, what's the where? Like, it doesn't. You know, to my look at the moment, there doesn't appear to be a, a magical number there of like some sort of you know cooling off period sort of thing. Um,
5: Again, using the, M- the NBA <clears throat> as an example, unless it's basically organised as a sign-and-trade at that time of year. You can't be traded 90 days outside of signing a contract. So maybe that becomes interesting when mid-season trade period comes in. Is that when you maybe sign a guy in the off-season and then do a mid-season trade? Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, so that was a left, that was a left field one. Stalking a lot. Yeah, though.
1: I'm pretty left field on that sort of stuff. Uh, the next one is, you know, we've, you know, we've got a pretty young team, right? And we've got, um, you can say that we've got a lot of depth, but unshown or unproven depth. And so I'm just a little bit concerned about going into this draft and picking up more kids to play. Isn't really something that's going to necessarily benefit benefit us at the moment. So I'm thinking well, with pick four sure we get a good player, but you know no one values future picks as much as what they should. You know, everyone wants their cake now. Um, so trading four for Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast West Coast um, first round pick next year, I think is just the money play to do. Just get that done and that will, I think West Coast will jump at that because they've got a chance to get Harley Reid and Curtin and um and then if Harley doesn't work out, they can just trade him, you know, a year, two years' time for Kings Ransom.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad shout. The only thing that that does, obviously, is that, you know, leaves us short of um, any real picks at this stage for this year. Um, so that'd be something... Look, it'd be something Mark McKenzie absolutely considers. Um, whether he's game enough or any list manager is game enough to pull the trigger on something like that, that remains to be seen, especially in, you know, the state of the, the that our list is in at the moment. I think if you're somebody like Melbourne, you could probably do something like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm i unsure whether, whether we would go down that track. But I appreciate the questions, uh, Stalking, as always, mate. We need to move on because we're nudging on an hour already and I want to go through some of these... Um, uh, yes or no's and stay or goes that we've put together this year so um, gentlemen I'm going to rotate through uh, all of you guys AJ Nat and Mora um, just a simple yes or no and then a little bit on each of these players these are all guys who are currently delisted free agents or they delisted players from other clubs or out of contract Jackson Hately Mora no
3: no I think if he was going to make it, he would have made it by now.
2: Nat?
4: Yeah, I agree. Just can't see Harry get it going in midfield, to be perfectly honest. Like, he was a first round pick, what, five years ago now? So, two clubs, being his third club. I just, I, I mean, who does he play in front of? So, no, for me. AJ? he's
5: one that falls into an SPP at the absolute best that someone you
1: look at if you've got all this spot.
5: No. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think he kind of
2: he give he gives me Harry Morrison vibes and AJ's going to hate that because AJ loves Harry Morrison, but I, I I just mean in terms of he's a real vanilla player. He's he there's there's not there's nothing nothing screams elite AFL attributes in the way that he plays. Um and um, he's probably a less talented version of Harry Morrison, I think. Now, um, Nat, we'll start with you on this one. Lockie O'Brien, your
4: man—the uh, strongest possible. no that there's that there could possibly be. Uh, my wife is a Carlton supporter, and uh, I watch Carlton most weeks. Um, which this year was actually not completely infuriating for the first year in many years. Uh, Lockie O'Brien can run, and that's it. He can't Well, kick. he said he said he can kick. No, 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 He can run. He can run. He can't kick. He's he's not very strong in the contest. He's uh decision making is poor. Um yes, my life is better for not having to watch Lockheed O'Brien play
2: for Carlton anymore. And I certainly don't want to watch him play for Hawthorne. Shout out to Lockheed yeah. for listening. He'll definitely be listening. We'll get a we're gonna to mention tomorrow. Uh AJ. Anything No, I got nothing. I got nothing there. Pretty simple, Mara?
1: Yeah, uh,
3: pass for me too, thank you.
2: I thought you were the um, champion of the Lockie O'Brien bandwagon,
5: Mara, so that's disappointing.
2: Uh, Riley Bonner, uh, AJ, any thoughts on Riley Bonner? Uh,
5: it's the same for me as what I said about Haitley. Maybe you look at him in an SPP situation if you have something available, but I'm not going out of my way to sign him as a uh, delicit free agent.
2: Off mute, Is this your first time uh, in a space? Thank you. Sorry, I didn't hear you say Moira there. <laughs> um, is, your, is your
3: microphone working? Did you test that? Or is this your Yay! first time in a space? Oh, <laughs>
0: damn. Everybody else heard it, mate. <laughs>
3: um, uh, yeah, maybe. I think he's okay. Um, and he's got some, some weapons. So I think he's probably just a, a victim of Port Adelaide getting pretty good. Um, and, and a couple of young players have, have filled up the last spots in their team. But the 24th, fifth player for Port Adelaide at the moment should be playing for us. Um, and I think he's okay. There's probably a spot in the wing, the one that um, that Henry would have taken. So yep. I'm, not, I'm not breaking the bank for him. But if he wants to come, uh, I would look into it.
4: No. Nah. Uh, completely took the words out of my mouth. I think he's the only one of these. Uh, that we've said so far that's worth considering because he's got some good line breaking pace. Um, I don't want him high half back because we have twenty five thousand small defenders and he wouldn't get into our back six. But I think there is a spot for him. Look, put it this way, he'd be an upgrade on Harry Morrison in my opinion. Sorry, AJ. Where is um,
5: the Harry Morrison slander nah, coming nah, from? Nah, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. What is uh, this? This is basically
2: <laughs> just our WhatsApp chat, but in a yeah. in a live Twitter
4: space. Yeah, I know. And there's what eighty people listening now as opposed to just us three talking to each other. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think. Um, if we're going after someone like Liam Henry, who I obviously think is a better player than Riley Bonner, I think there's a spot on the list for him. He's not a world beater, but I think he would... There is
2: a potential for him to offer us something as
4: opposed to the other two.
2: Well, I think what he does do is he... he like you said, he's got some line-breaking pace and I think he uses it pretty well and he can kick it fairly long. Um, he's giving Nathan Loney a little bit. Uh, and I don't know whether I want that back on my team. Um, I feel like he's one of those really, like, as outside as outside could be, like, so far outside he's outside the MCG. Um, But, yeah, I think that there are some AFL skills there, which I don't mind. So, uh, last one on the yes or no list is the beast himself, uh, Reese Matheson. I almost said Ryan Matheson. Reese Matheson. Nat, will flick to you. What do you think? Uh,
4: The barometer. Uh, No, thanks. No. Once again, um, just don't see who he would replace in our midfield. Um, Very, very, very good VFL footballer. Um, Be a good vibes man to have at the club. I think the the pick of him cutting off Mitch Robinson's rat tail last year was extremely good content and would give a bit in the dressing room. But in terms of giving a bit on the football field, uh,
5: no for me. Thank you. AJ? This is funny because he came up last year um, when he was potentially looking for another home. And I think we all said the exact same thing of, hey, if Box Hill needs another player, then maybe. But, yeah, I don't see any value there. Mara? Um,
3: he's he's okay. I just don't really um, – I'm not enthused by the, the notion of having to barrack for him. Like, I don't particularly like him. I kind of and- like that. Um so I'm passing on that ground.
2: Yeah. And and look, we last trade period we moved on a inside midfielder that can't kick. So why would we bring in another one? I mean, the one we moved on went and won a premiership. But um yeah, I, I'm I'm kinda with you. I think um there's probably not a spot for Reese Matheson. Uh Ivan in the comments, gents, has added another one he wants us to have a have a chat about. James Ballace from Adelaide, one ninety-two centimeter, hundred kilo key defender, uh, twenty-one years old. Um, Nat, do you know much about Ball Lace And would you would you give him a look? I mean, I can't say I'm familiar
4: with James Ballace's work, but if he's someone that's going to stop Sam Frost from playing for Hawthorne that I'm all ears. Um,
2: I that's mean, too, I... that's two Brownlow medal medal vote, Sam Frost to you, please. Uh, of course, yes. Uh, my apologies to Sam. Uh, um, I mean, look.
4: 21-year-old uh, key defenders don't go on trees. So, look, once again, SPP, if there's a spot available, I mean, you, think you, could, you could do worse than take a punt because it's the most obvious area in terms of our key pillars at both ends that we need to address. So, um, yeah, without knowing a heap about him, um, if he can play a little bit, then, yeah, why not?
2: Uh, AJ or Mora, do you guys have anything more to add on James Borlace?
5: You are going to miss Sam Frost when he's not here bringing his utter chaos, Nat. We need a chaos man at every football club. And you're both shaking your heads at me. We've
2: got heat.
4: Mate,
5: we've got CJ for crying out loud. CJ and Josh, they're
2: both both chaos merchants.
5: Yeah. um, My opinion is very similar to Nat, which is that if I... I, What were his stats again? 195 at about 100 kegs? So a bit smaller a little bit smaller, Um, yeah, keybacks, they're not easy to find. And that's the big thing we're struggling with. We don't really have the best options down there. We're we're very good at intercepting and that James Cicely role and we can run, but we don't have a gorilla down there. And we haven't really had one since Brian Lake. I know Chip Frawley was around for a few more years, but Chip wasn't even that role the same way that Lakey was. So we haven't really had a gorilla for a while. So I'd probably want someone a little bit taller, but I'd, I'd have a look at it. Maura, any thoughts on uh, James for life? Um, he is
3: kind of a victim in, in the same way of Bono. He's a victim of um, Adelaide's young key backs coming really good. So it, it kind of surprised me that they delisted.
2: him, ...given that... Okay. Um, your internet Maura must have dropped out. That was a little bit funky. Um but
3: um, yeah. they, uh, um they're the No, no, go on. It's fine.
2: Oh no, you came good. You came good. I was about to, I was about to wipe you from the space, and you you you, found, <laughs> you bounced back really strong.
3: It's very well. It stop if if I'm repeating myself, but I um I found it quite curious that. Um, Adelaide got rid of him given that they also lost due day so that could be a red flag that they don't particularly rate him but he, he seems to be a victim of the um, young key position defensive stocks at Adelaide just coming good and so it, there's there's kind of nothing for him there um, in the team I watched the game I think he played once or maybe twice um, in the seniors this year and was okay um, at, at this stage he's kind of better than what we've got in depth in key def- defensive stocks, which is nothing. So why not?
5: Nat and I have both gone to Google to have a look at him. Jeez, has got some size on him. It's a bit more. Yeah, Just uh, look at the size of the arms.
2: Yeah, I, I think the thing is they've got these, Adelaide have got these a bunch of these weird sort of no-name defenders. Josh Worrell, Mitch Hinge, Nick Murray. Murray. Murray's yeah, they're, no. Really, they're all Buckley. like the, They're all these dudes that nobody's ever heard of, but they all sort of get the. Jordan Butts is another one. They kind of just all get the job done. Um, they got Hinge
4: from so, Brisbane too. He was a. Yeah, they got him for absolutely nothing.
5: Yeah, he's a diff, He's a he's a strange looking bloke actually, Mitch Hinge, um, um, just quietly. Anyway. Just a very important one to throw in here, boys from Doc Mansell. Big year for Harry coming up. If you ask me, we have some halfbacks pushing hard to step up to the wing. Could be looking at being traded or even delisted. Everyone is out to get my boy Harry tonight and I'm not loving it. It's, it's, a, it's a Harry Morrison whipping evening. Um,
2: all right, moving on to um, the last segment we'll do and then we'll get out because I do not want to pop both barrels from Ash Brown tomorrow. Um, stay or go, stay or go uh, there are currently three contracted players that I can think of. Mick, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Lockie Bramble... Fergus Green and Ned Long, who are without a contract at the moment on the Hawks list. Nat, Lockie Bramble's uh, stay or go? Uh,
4: Bramble's a go for me, unfortunately. Um, didn't... Was reasonably enthused by his early work, but uh, was the, I mean, I don't want to hang a bloke for one game. But it was the game against St Kilda for me, just, uh, just... I think... Is that where just he had five confirmed. touches in the oh, first quarter nice. and they all turnovers. Turned them all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah off half back. It was really good. Um, and we conceded about seven goals in about eight minutes at the end of the first quarter. It was good fun. Yeah, it was a good fun. Yeah. It was a good good Sunday out there. Um, yeah, I just don't think he's at the level. Unfortunately, I, I think he could be quite a good VFL footballer. Um, he'll be an absolute gun when he goes back to play for Milton or wherever he's from. But um, yeah, I just don't think he's at the level.
5: So he's a go for me. AJ. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think he's a go. I really liked him when he started off. I was leading the Lockie Bramble fan club in his first year because I thought he looked like something when he came in late in his first season. It, it just hasn't proved out consistently. I think it's time to move on. And Morris, stay or go to Lockie Bramble?
3: Um, exactly the same as the last two comments. Yeah,
5: beauty.
2: Uh, all right, gentlemen. I feel like... Um... Fergus will have a bit of mixed a mixed bag of responses. Uh, Mora, Fergus Green, stay or go?
3: I'm keeping him, um, mostly just because we don't have much else in the forward line. So, um, as as an option, yeah, I'd keep him.
4: Yeah, uh, Nat? Yeah, I think you keep him on a one-year deal. Um Like it has been said, um, Brendan Ryan is the next option who's played four games and showed a bit. But I think for the depth that you have to keep him, I thought he actually did a pretty serviceable job earlier on in the year when Lewis was injured and Kaczynski was nowhere um, when we weren't going particularly well. Um, I think he probably deserves at least one more year off that. Um, I don't think he's going to be a world beater, but I think you need him for the depth. AJ,
5: stay good depth, good vibes.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm probably. I'm probably more like closer to letting him go, but I'd probably keep him for the vibes and the depth because we literally just don't have any. So I think that's tough. All right, uh, Ned Long, uh, AJ, stay or go. Uh,
5: I say stay on a one-year deal. Just give me, give me a show me season. You get one more. You get twelve months. Show me what you got.
3: No, for me, um, I just think he probably doesn't have enough strings to the bow. Not quite enough um, elite attributes. He is big, and we can use that in the midfield. But we, we have a couple of big bodies already. Um, I don't think he's really going to play much in his natural position anyway, um, unless something really drastic happens. So I would unfortunately let him go.
2: Yeah. And Mara, we can confirm that he is big because he was standing next to Denver Granger Baras at the Peter Crimmins and they're the same height. Uh, and Denver Granger Baras plays key position. So, um, that's one big man.
3: Well, maybe oh, we um, can
2: move him and repurpose yeah. him in the back line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does he yeah. play key back? Uh, <laughs> No. Nat, keep, keep <laughs> that uh, microphone unmuted. Uh, stay or go for, for you to finish up.
4: I think he's been really hurt by the um, improvement and development of Nash because yep. I think the role that he would have um, earmarked for himself as that big body midfielder has been taken and completely run with and taken to another level by Connor Nash. And I mean, I never saw Connor Nash's improvement coming. I don't think many people did. Um, and I, I just I think he probably goes. Unfortunately, he's a bit stiff because he is quite good at VFL level when he plays. But I, I just don't think he has, as Morris said, enough um, AFL midfielder attributes to keep. So I think he's probably unlucky. But I do think he will be let go. All
2: right. Well, before we wrap up this evening, and it's been good fun. Uh, thank you, boys, for jumping on. Um, read some of the comments in the chat. Mick Cowan says. Need to play Sarong ahead of Green. I agree with that, but I think they're grooming Sarong to play uh, that third call back, the third tall back. Um, you know, playing on the sort of lighter framed uh, taller, taller forwards from the opposition. Uh, whereas Green is definitely not doing that. He is absolutely a third tall forward. Uh, we chatted through Doc's commentary, Harry Morrison. Uh, Lord Chester says trading for West Coast future first assumes West Coast finishes bottom two. That's not guaranteed. I think that's about as close to guaranteed as you can get without a guarantee. Um, they're not going to be better than the Hawks next year. They may be better than the Roos, but I don't think so. Um, they seem to have massive injury issues every single year and they've, their best players are all the wrong side of 30 with a huge gap to their next sort of young... And they're, even the young players. I think, Maura, you and I have had a chat about this a couple of times, the young players are no good. Um, yeah. Nat, you wanted yeah. to make a comment on this too after tomorrow. I if you want to, yeah.
3: um, if you want to get in early on Halloween, just Google uh, um, West Coast list by age and look at the 24s and unders. <laughs> it is grim. Nat, yeah, they've got they've got
4: two half decent ones. They've got uh, Hewitt and they've got Gimby, and that's it.
2: Yeah. Noah Long, good at Chuka boy. Yeah, he might. Not make it. Uh, anyway, uh, moving along. Um, uh, Doc also says, Ryan and Ramsden are not enough key forward depth. Maybe Jackie gets rookie listed. We'll uh, need to draft Caddy if we can't land Chol. Chole will actually suit us forward and ruck. Unfortunately, I think he is important to us, not important to others, but definitely are. So I think there's a fair bit in that. I don't think Jeky will get re-rookied. Um, they wouldn't have let him go. he would be on that non-contracted stay-or-go list that we talked about if they had any thoughts of re-rookieing him. Um, I definitely agree that Ryan and Ramson aren't enough um, depth. Uh, I don't think they reach for Caddy with with four, even if they don't um, land Chol, because that'd be too big of a reach. Um, uh, Doc also says we need key position players, not 180 centimeter bloody midfielders. Um, Yep, I would say from a list composition perspective, that's true, but you can't help who people high up in your club uh, take a fancy to. And I can tell you that there's somebody at the Hawks that really takes a fancy to the young Tasmanian midfielder we spoke about early on. Walk says Reed, Walter, McKircher, Dersma, McCurtin, Watson, Caddy. We get a good player no matter what. Probably more likely to get Caddy. That's actually more of a need for us. Again, uh, I feel like if we stayed at four, Caddy is a bit too much of a reach because I think you've got Sanders in ahead of him as well. I think Caddy sort of goes maybe nine, 10, 11, 12 in that range, not sort of four, five, six. So uh, one to keep an eye on. Doc says, I'm staying away from Tassie kids. There will be a massive recruitment drive to get them back. Jack Rewalt would have left the Tigers in a heartbeat and he's going to convince kids to come home. There might be some validity to that unless you speak to. AJ who thinks it doesn't matter at all um, any chance North taking Sanders with three says nah, Navin uh, surely they want him being they went to the AFL to include him in the Academy no I think they wanted an extra handout with Sanders I think that's what it is I uh, I don't think um, I don't think we can I don't think sand I think Sanders would be a reach to take him at that stage yeah um, That's probably about it. Thank you to everybody for chucking in your favorite uh, and best traded Hawks. There was a few really good ones. Uh, Underrated was David Hale. Ben McAvoy was another one getting Trent Crowe back. I think that's a, that's a really good one. Um, You know, and uh, a few people saying Sean Burgoyne, Paul Salmon. Um, So, you know, I think the, the key thing that I saw out of all of this, the traded in players is a, we've got some great ones. Um, B, it wouldn't be hard to make a team of, of good traded-in players and see where are you going to put all those Ruckman because there's a stack of them. Because clearly we've never been able to draft and uh, cultivate our own Ruckman. We've always gone and traded for them when they're in the peak of their powers. And Salmon, Wren, Everett, Hale, McAvoy, uh, you know, Brett O'Farrell, to name a few. No, I'm kidding about O'Farrell. But uh,
0: The, the only on the there. only
2: hard best one we drafted was Robbie Campbell.
0: Yeah,
4: and oh, buddy, Max, yes.
6: Max, Max, Max Bailey, Bailey if
4: he was to. Bailey there. would have been a gun. Well, Bailey yeah, would have been a gun course. if he didn't do his knees, yeah. Yeah, yeah true.
2: So, anyway, um, we will wrap it up there. Thank you so much to everybody for jumping in and listening. We appreciate your support always. Thank you to Mora for jumping on and repping the A-team uh, tonight uh, in the space. Thank you so much to my co-host and fellow Box Hill Insiders, Andrew Johnston. And Matt Martin, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, We really appreciate it. And we will be back. I don't know if we'll be back tomorrow night. It's Friday night and it's a little bit tricky to coordinate a space. What I will say is if Hawthorne make a big trade or something, we will try and get something up tomorrow night. If not, we will be back on Monday next week. Um, We will have more stuff in the substack. I've already plugged Ash's piece. Um, Make sure you jump on and give that a look when it drops. If you would like to support Hawks Insiders, please consider doing so. $5 a month, $50 a year. Uh, it all contributes to us being able to pump out the sort of content that we do in the frequency that we do it. So we appreciate your support and we hope to see you again soon. Have a great night. This was another Hawks
5: Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall local footy club coverage.